Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, my name is Lanny, and I know this will sound crazy, but I actually am unable to feel pain. This might sound like an amazing trait, but it can be really dangerous. Let me tell you my story. When I was a little kid, I didn't know that I was different from other children my age. I would watch TV shows and movies and get so confused whenever I saw someone getting hurt. They would cry in pain or sob or something, and I didn't understand what was happening to them. You see, I was born with a rare condition that basically eradicated all the receptors in my brain. The doctors aren't sure if I was born without them or if they were destroyed, but back then I didn't know any of that. I just thought people were weird. I've never experienced pain, and so I can't even relate to it. The very idea of something hurting is foreign to me. Imagine growing up not knowing what pain feels like, or even understanding how it works. I remember a kid falling down in class one day and bumping his head against the desk. He cried and was sent to the nurse's office. I was so confused and everyone looked so worried. Why did the kid sob like that? Why was he holding his head and saying it ached? I had bumped my head plenty of times and I had felt, well, nothing at all. I wanted to ask the teacher about it, but then I suddenly realized, what if I was the one that was weird? What if there was something wrong with me and my classmates made fun of me? So I decided to remain silent and pretend I was worried too. It wasn't too hard because I was worried, but not about the kid's pain. I was worried someone would realize I was different, but no one even looked at me. I decided it was best to just stay quiet about it and move on with my life. Surely I would also feel that thing called pain one day. If everyone suffered it, I was going to as well one day, right? Well, no, I wouldn't, and I would discover it in a rather dramatic fashion. My parents had no idea I was unique. They just thought I was a really resilient kid. Mom was so proud that I was so brave when I had my shots or when I scraped my knees. She would tell other mothers how I wouldn't even flinch when the nurse came close to me with a big needle. Little did she know that I wasn't afraid because I had no idea what pain actually was. If something couldn't hurt me, 
Why would I be worried about it? And so my mom and dad didn't notice my condition for the first few years of my life. It wasn't until I had my first big accident that everything changed. It all happened so fast. No one was to blame for the accident, but it was still really scary, or so my parents tell me. The truth is, I wasn't afraid at all. I was playing at the playground after lunch one day. Mom had insisted we go to the park so I wouldn't spend all day long glued to the TV. I was really excited since that meant I'd be able to run around and be silly. We had been in the playground for a while when I decided to go for the swings. I loved them. It was so much fun to go as high as I could, it felt like I was flying. I remember mom warned me not to go so high, but I didn't listen. I just chuckled and tried to jump forward. I was planning on landing on my feet neatly, but I messed up. Instead, I landed on my right arm and heard my mom scream a few feet away from me. She later told me I hit the ground really hard, but I didn't feel a thing. I didn't even bat an eye, didn't cry for help, didn't get scared. Mom and dad saw everything, and they were freaking out. It was clearly hurt, but I didn't react at all. They asked me if I was okay, and I replied that I was fine, and if I could go back to play. They were really worried because they saw my arm looked like it was bent the wrong way. Still, I didn't complain or anything. They decided to take me to the ER just in case. You know how sometimes the adrenaline keeps people from feeling pain and then it hits them all at once? Well, that's what my parents figured was happening to me. When a doctor finally got to us, he checked me out and immediately did an x-ray on me. He didn't look too happy, and this concerned my parents. Why was the doctor frowning if I looked like it didn't hurt at all? Surely it couldn't be that bad. It turned out I had a very badly fractured arm. The doctor was in shock that I wasn't complaining or screaming since it was supposed to be a really painful injury. I actually had to undergo surgery to help my arm heal properly. It was that bad. The nurses asked me as I woke up from the anesthesia if something hurt. I just replied that it didn't. The doctor wanted to see if I could really go without painkillers after the surgery. I didn't even feel the difference. The whole staff was fascinated by my case. I didn't take any pain medication during my stay there and felt perfectly okay. In fact, my mom had to threaten to ground me just to keep me in bed. It was important that I lay still for a few days to recover. The problem was I felt just fine and was bored out of my mind. My parents didn't know what to make of it and decided to take me to a specialist. After all, I was supposed to feel pain. What could possibly be wrong with me? It took the doctors several tests to finally figure out what was happening. An MRI image showed a lack of transmitters in my brain that would usually decode pain. Though I technically should be able to feel it, my brain was unable to process and react to it. The doctor said it was an incredibly rare condition and that there were very few documented cases in the world. I was very unique and honestly, I thought it was really cool. My parents were admittedly very worried, but to me, it was so awesome. With this newfound knowledge, I became incredibly reckless. I was known in the neighborhood as the daredevil kid on the street, and it only got worse as I grew up. I would get into all kinds of problems and always be looking for my next adrenaline fix. I would jump off really high things and do all kinds of dangerous stunts. Teens in my school were always challenging me to try new and weird stuff, and I always took them up on it. I won every single bet and made good money off it. My mom would always check how I was whenever I got home, and she begged me to be more careful. 
I loved my mother to bits, but I had grown too used to being a daredevil to stop. I loved testing my limits. Plus, honestly, I kind of wanted to discover if anything would actually make me feel pain at all. The doctors said it was impossible, but I like experimenting with things for myself. I'll be honest and say I've had a lot of broken limbs over the years, plus many more broken noses and even fingers. I'm okay with that. I just go to the hospital and they patch me up. My mom freaks out every single time. I apologize, but we both know I'll do it all over again soon. Sometimes I don't even realize I have a fracture until someone lets me know I'm walking kind of weird. A lot of my friends got jealous of me over the years, but they still love seeing me perform cool tricks for them. Now, as fun as this all sounds, there is a big problem here. I have no way of knowing if I get hurt or not. It's kind of a mess, especially for someone so reckless as I am. Doing something as simple as running is dangerous because I can't tell if I stepped on something sharp or if I bent my knee or something like that. Each morning when I wake up, I have to check to see if I didn't scratch my body or something. I also have to be really careful when I'm cooking, because if I ever burn or cut myself, I won't feel it at all. Sure, I don't suffer at all, but my body still gets hurt. I could get a really bad burn and have to be hospitalized, all because I'm completely immune to pain. Imagine needing to be super careful about anything you do, and checking yourself in the mirror every few hours. It gets so boring, and I'm not exactly the most patient guy in the world. Sometimes I forget and then suffer the consequences. For instance, I once got a really bad infection and since I didn't realize anything was wrong, I ended up in the hospital for an entire week. The doctors pumped so many antibiotics into me, and I didn't feel a thing. Another time, I suddenly began feeling super sick. Nothing hurt, of course, but I was rushing to the toilet every five minutes. I couldn't retain any liquids, and mom got really worried. The doctor at the ER at first didn't pay me much attention. He said that most symptoms pointed toward me having appendicitis, but since I wasn't in pain, it was impossible. When my mom explained my condition, he got really worried. They examined me, and apparently my appendix was about to burst. I could have been a goner, and all because I didn't feel a thing. If my mom hadn't been so quick in taking me to see a doctor, it would have been a really big mess. I'm grateful my mother is so protective and helps me constantly, but she can be a bit overwhelming from time to time. From the moment she discovered my condition, she began to act so weirdly. She wanted me to have someone with me at all times, but I refused. I want to grow to be a normal person and have a happy life, even if I can't feel pain. Ever since then, I've tried to be more careful, but honestly, it's still kind of hard. I have a girlfriend now, and she is a lifesaver. She reminds me to check my body for cuts and scrapes and also keeps me from doing foolish stuff. I've also quit doing daredevil stunts, at least for now. I need to learn to listen to my body even if I don't feel any pain. After all, I want to live to be old and maybe even marry the girl I'm dating. She is amazing and shares my sense of adventure. With her by my side though, I get to enjoy the excitement without actually getting hurt. Ever since I was in high school, I wanted to start my own business. The idea of becoming the boss of my own company and managing a group of employees under me really fascinated me. When I told this to my dad, he looked at me as if I had lost my mind. Ethan, just focus on your studies and find a proper job. You already know that we can't afford to invest in some risky business. He shook his head. It's already hard enough to pay for your school. 
I never asked you to invest, Dad, I told him. I've done some research, and I think I can take out a loan, and... You'll do no such thing! Dad suddenly interrupted me. We're already under a huge debt. Don't make things worse. That was the end of the conversation. It was clear that my family wasn't going to support me in my decision. So, I moved out as soon as I turned 18. I only had a meager amount of savings with me, which I used to rent a small room in a shady part of the city. And obviously, I didn't have money for college, so that was out of the question. But I wasn't going to give up on my dream. I spent about two weeks in my cramped room, forming a business plan and presentation. I was confident about my ideas. Now, I just had to impress the bank manager and take out a loan to get started. I was stopped at the entrance of the bank by the security guard. He measured me from head to toe, narrowing his eyes at my clothes. This isn't a place for homeless people. Eh, go back, he sneered. Excuse me? I glared at him. Is that how you talk to your customers? I'm here for some work. He blocked my way and started arguing with me. Just then, a man wearing a crisp black suit stepped out of the bank. My eyes fell on his ID card. He was the bank manager, Daniel. What's going on? What's all this ruckus? Daniel frowned and then took in my appearance. What's with those filthy clothes? Who allowed you to come here? I was shocked at his tone. Um, I'm sorry, but how does my coming here relate to my clothes? I'm just a regular customer of this bank, and I wanted to take out a loan for my business. I made a detailed proposal and wanted to discuss it with you. Daniel started laughing. <laughs> Are you serious? Customer of this bank? I bet you don't even have a single penny in your account. That was true, but he didn't have to humiliate me for it. Who the heck made this rude guy the bank manager? He snatched the papers containing the business details from my hand and tossed them in the dustbin. I froze in my spot, unable to form words. Stop wasting my time, he yawned. This bank is no place for illiterates like you. The security guard started dragging me away from the entrance. My body was trembling with rage. You're going to regret this, I yelled at Daniel. I'll come back again and get you kicked out of here. Then we'll see who's the real illiterate one here. He just rolled his eyes. Yeah, 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 keep dreaming. I got back home and fell into despair. What happened at the bank was something I could never have anticipated. That guy not only insulted me, but also belittled my dreams. I was feeling hopeless and defeated. When my doorbell suddenly rang. That was weird. I never get visitors. I opened to find two women standing in front of me. Um, hi, I'm Jessica, Daniel's wife, and this is my daughter, Bella. The older lady introduced while pointing toward her daughter. I crossed my arms across my chest. What? Did Daniel send you to ridicule me further? Go ahead and make fun of my living conditions. I want to see what you come up with. Oh, no. Please don't lump me together with that loser. Bella made a face. I'm already ashamed to be related to him. Huh? Was she being serious? We saw everything that happened at the bank, Jessica said sadly. I'm really sorry about Daniel. 
I must have been really out of my mind when I fell in love with that man. Seriously, Mom? Bella sighed, touching my arm. You should have chosen someone like Ethan. He's so cool and composed, not to mention insanely smart. Jessica smiled. Well, I can always choose him now. My eyes widened. Uh, just what was going on? Both of them started laughing when they saw how puzzled I was. Sorry to confuse you. I was talking about your business proposal. Jessica waved some papers in front of me. Bella and I picked it out from the trash, and it was definitely worth it. This is a genius plan. We're interested in investing. My jaw dropped. Uh, wait, what? You mean you want to fund my startup? Yes, Ethan. Bella nodded, coming closer to me. We really like your ideas. And I think it's going to be successful. If funding is the problem, then leave it to us. Could this day get any more bizarre? First, I was kicked out by the bank manager, and now his wife and daughter wanted to help me? Well, I wasn't complaining. It's not like I had anything to lose, so I thanked them and agreed to their suggestion. And within the next few days, I had my own office in front of the very same bank that had refused my entry. Bella and Jessica may have helped me with it, but I was still very careful not to waste a single penny. My lifestyle hadn't changed. I was surviving on instant noodles and wearing rag-like clothes. Any and every profit that I made from my business was reinvested back into it. Of course, my work didn't go unnoticed by Daniel. Him and his stupid colleagues were obsessed with me. Yeah, obsessed is the right word for it. They couldn't just leave me alone. They made it a point to stop by my office every day and make sarcastic comments in front of my clients and customers. Thankfully for me, my clients had brains and didn't pay attention to them. One day, they played a really humiliating prank on me. I came to my office and was bathed with dirty sewage water as soon as I opened the door. I heard loud laughter and looked up to find Daniel and his friends watching me and clicking pictures on their phone. Would you look at that? Is that a new trend among homeless people these days? Daniel sneered. <laughs> Your childishness makes me believe that you're back in 8th grade, Daniel. I smirked. Make sure you take your lessons properly this time. Don't want you growing into an illiterate and immature adult again. Daniel fisted his hands, looking embarrassed as his colleagues snickered at him. But how dare you? Do you think you can... Tad, stop this nonsense! Bella came rushing to my side and gasped when she saw my state. Bella? Uh, what are you doing here? Daniel asked in surprise. I'm here to see Ethan, she replied angrily. I can't believe I just witnessed you pulling pranks on a guy who's like half your age. Are you really that insecure? Uh, 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 what? Daniel's eyes flashed. How can you take his side? I'm your dad! I wish you weren't! Bella yelled at him, and I felt sorry for her. I glanced around and noticed Jessica standing in a corner and watching everything silently. She seemed to be equally mad, but her eyes were glued onto Bella's hand that was holding mine. Why did she seem... jealous? Maybe I was just imagining things. I see now! You've been using my daughter's kindness for this crappy business of yours! Daniel glared at me. No matter what you do, you'll never be worthy of her! 
Don't even get any funny ideas in your head! Shut up! You have no right to say that! Bella intervened. Daniel just huffed and walked away, his minions following after him. Bella turned to me with sad eyes. I'm so sorry, Ethan. You don't deserve to be treated this way. It's fine. It's not your fault anyway. You've already done a lot for me, and I'm really grateful. I can't wait until the day I can pay you back. Bella opened her mouth to protest, but was interrupted by Jessica, who came and just hugged me without warning. Whoa! I'm really dirty right now! I exclaimed. I don't care! Let me just have this moment, Ethan! Jessica sobbed. I'm feeling so ashamed on my husband's behalf! Bella pulled her away from me. Mom, are you crazy? Go and talk to your husband if you're that concerned. Leave Ethan alone. Jessica frowned. You're still a kid, Bella. Stay out of this. I watched the two of them in shock as they argued back and forth. Why did it feel like they were competing over me? Whatever. Jessica turned away from Bella and handed me a business card. This is the bank director's contact. He's a really good man. You should talk to him. After she left, Bella grabbed my hand. Ethan? I'm not as influential as my mom, and I can't do much to help you. But I really like you. Will you go out with me? I'd understand if you want to say no. Why would I say no, silly? I smiled and shook my head. I like you too, Bella. And no, it's not because you're helping me or because you're rich. I like you as a person. It'd be a pleasure to date you. That's how Bella and I started dating. Jessica didn't seem very pleased with this and tried to always cause a rift between us. But I ignored her and focused on my business, which had really taken off within a matter of weeks. I was now rich enough to live in a bungalow, wear branded clothes, and drive a Lambo. People were queuing up in front of my workspace for job interviews. The same bank employees who used to mock me were now jealously eyeing my Lambo. Some even applied for a job in my company, but of course I had no use for jerks like them. Now there was only one thing left to do. Meeting the bank director with a very special business proposal, I entered the bank, only to come face to face with Daniel again. Who let you in? You won't get any loan from this bank! He shrieked. Security! Throw him out! I'm here to meet the director, I said calmly. This world doesn't revolve around you. Get out of my way. But he didn't listen. Once again, the security guard dragged me out. My employees were enraged to see this and started a massive protest rally right outside the bank. Daniel's face went pale. I bet he wasn't expecting this. The media arrived to cover the protest, and moments later, the director arrived too. He immediately walked up to me and escorted me inside. Daniel was sweating buckets at this point. My meeting with the director was not about getting a loan, but rather, I wanted a stake in the bank. Everything went smoothly, and I was able to sign the deal. Everyone was summoned inside, and the director announced me as the majority shareholder. And so the power to take decisions is with Mr. Ethan, he told everyone. And I almost laughed out loud when I saw Daniel's face. He knew he was doomed. This bank will now work on providing loans to young entrepreneurs, and we want employees who recognize talent. And you? I pointed at Daniel. You're fired, and so are your minions. 
What? You can't do this! He protested. He can, and he did, Bella said, coming to my side and flaunting her engagement ring to the crowd. What do you think now, Dad? Isn't he very worthy of me? She let out a sarcastic smile. Daniel was speechless. Just then, there was a loud shriek and Jessica emerged from the crowd, looking frustrated and angry. And I'm leaving you, you sorry excuse of a human! She tossed the divorce papers at his face. I couldn't help but recall the day I had first met him. I told him he'd regret it. I'm David. I've always worked hard. As a kid, I did paper routes, opened lemonade stands, and mowed our neighbor's lawns to help my parents with money. I was 12 when I lost them. That was when I had to move in with my granny. She was the only family I had left, and she had an even harder time making sure we didn't starve. She was old and was long retired, so sometimes we would go days without water or electricity because we couldn't afford to pay the bills. Meals on Wheels was awesome because they would bring granny a couple meals every day. Unfortunately, I wasn't entitled to one, but granny would always split the meal between us. It always made me cry how she would give me most of it. I promised her I would work hard so we would never have to be hungry ever again. And that's what I just did. I worked three jobs as soon as I was in high school. I was doing a shift at the ice cream shop when I got the call that Granny was rushed to the hospital. And I never saw her again. She left me the house in her will. I guess living a life where money could have made a huge difference taught me to be generous and to work harder than anyone else. And that's why I promised myself when I had my own family, I would work to give them everything they needed. I was generous to my friends, and I was very generous to my girlfriend. Her name's Sally, and we met at the pizzeria I used to work at. I was closing up, and she slipped in just a few seconds before I closed the door. I never liked when people do that. But Sally... <laughs> Sally was pretty and funny and very persuasive. So I made her a pepperoni like she asked, and from that moment on, she was my girl. I loved being with her. The only thing that got in the way was my best friend, Ruby. Sally didn't like her at all. Pretty sure she's jealous of how close we are. Where have you been, babe? I've been calling you for hours. I was at Ruby's. I told you I'd be at Ruby's. Then why won't you text me? Because my phone died because you kept calling me every hour. I swear, one of these days, I will find out what you guys do at Ruby's house. The same thing we do and have done every week, even before I met you. The boys and I like to hang there to play D&D. &D. Remember, I invited you to one and you said it was gross and dorky and you never want to go again. Whatever. I don't like how she looks at you. I keep telling her she has nothing to worry about. But every time Ruby and Sally's paths crossed, I swear, Sally would look like she's about to throw down. I mean, I get why she was insecure. Ruby was very, very pretty. Way prettier and way funnier and way more interesting than Sally. But the thing was, we were really just best friends. She was one of the boys, and she was like a little sister to me. Not like I don't show Sally enough how much I loved her. I gave her six out of seven days in the week. I drove to her whenever she needed me. I picked her up and dropped her off to work. And whatever she wanted to get, I would buy for her. That was mainly why Ruby didn't like Sally. You realize she's taking advantage of you, 
right? What do you mean? She's treating you like an ATM, an Uber driver, and a servant. All rolled up in one convenient package. She doesn't love you. She's using you. It's not like that. Oh, yeah? Has she ever bought you anything? Even something as small as a coffee? No. But, no buts. She's using you and you need to wake up. I didn't want to believe her, but I did get curious. But the moment I brought up the subject with Sally, she blew up on me. She slapped me and ran out of the house and didn't speak to me for a week. When she did talk to me again, it was only because I had bought her the ring she'd been wanting me to buy for her for months. So, I guess I kind of saw Ruby's point. After that fight, Sally became even more forceful with the things she wanted me to spend my money on. If I didn't bring her a gift on every date, she would sulk. And when we passed by a car lot, she went absolutely bonkers when she saw a pristine white G-Wagon there. Please? Please, can we get it? We can sell your old car and share this one, please? I promise I'll be a good girl. I'll even drive you for a change. Wow. She was offering to do something for me? She must really want that car. Nevertheless, I couldn't afford it yet, so I told her I would think about it. Sally threw a tantrum. She didn't talk to me for two weeks. She blocked me everywhere. But then she'd unblock me again, and she would send me texts saying it was because of Ruby. You're leaving me for her, aren't you? You haven't even given me flowers in ages. Why aren't you texting me back? Buy me the car, or I'm leaving you. She would send me these texts in the middle of the night. So, of course, I wouldn't be able to reply. Nevertheless, Sally still insisted that I was ignoring her on purpose. She came back to me because her car got impounded and she had no ride to and from work. That's kind of when I finally realized that my girlfriend was just using me for the things I could give her. So I promised myself one thing. I would become the man who could afford everything she ever wanted in life. I worked long nights and weekends. I took more workload than I ever had. I went to networking events and learned more about the business. I got promoted, and six months later, I got promoted again. I got named Employee of the Year, and Sally was right there with me, flaunting her newest dress and the shiny jewelry she bought with my money. But that night, I didn't go home to celebrate with her. I went to Ruby's, where all my real friends were, where the people who didn't just see me as a bank account were. That was when I finally broke down in front of Ruby. You were right. She... Sally's just using me. I don't want to say I told you so, but... I found her phone. While I was doing the laundry, she left it open on the bathroom sink. Wait, uh, where's this going? She has another boyfriend, Ruby, and she's been using my money to take him on dates. I cried on Ruby's shoulder that night, and surprisingly for both of us, we ended up kissing. I had trouble sleeping. I couldn't stop thinking about that night. When I kissed Ruby, and she kissed me back, I thought I could never, ever find her attractive. And yet, there I was 
spending time with Sally and only being able to think about Ruby. It didn't help that Sally was still insisting that I buy her the G-Wagon. Otherwise, she was going to leave me. I honestly wanted to work it out with her. I didn't want to be unfaithful, but Sally didn't do herself any favors. I told myself if I got the promotion I was hoping to get, that was going to set my plan into motion. That weekend, I got named VP of Sales, and the new position came with a hefty bonus. Suddenly, I could buy the G-Wagon, and then some. So Sally badgered me for it day and night, until one day, I finally said yes. I told her to meet me at a restaurant that was outside of town. It was a really fancy one, and I knew she would do anything to eat there. I didn't drive her, so she took an Uber. It must have cost her a hundred bucks at least, because the place was really far into the countryside. Sally bought a new dress. She was wearing new earrings. She was dressed to the nines. She even had her hair and nails done. I was certain she used my card to buy all those. I checked. And I had the perfect plan that'll catch her off guard. Sally's eyes grew wide as saucers when she realized I'd gotten us the best seats in the house. We had our own private table in the garden, and there were two waiters that just stood there, only serving us. I ordered the most expensive dishes, the rarest of drinks, and after dinner, I told her to follow me. Just outside the garden, there was a huge thing covered in a red cloth. The waiters pulled the cloth off, and there in the middle of the garden was a pristine, pure white G-Wagon trimmed in gold. Sally screamed. Oh. My. God! You got it! You got it for me! Oh, I love you, I love you, I love you! We should get married! I tingled the keys right in front of her, and she grabbed at them like the hungry, desperate little hyena that she was. Oh, 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 wait a sec! Not so fast! I closed my fist and raised my hand up so the key would be out of her reach. The car's not for you. What? For a second, I saw Sally's true colors show. But then she smiled sweetly again. Of... Of course, it's not just for me. It's for us. For both of us. Congratulations on your new promotion. We can finally get out of that old, dusty house of yours. I smiled. You will, at the very least. Sally's face went blank. Uh, huh? What are you talking about? Ever wondered why your boyfriend on the side never calls or texts you while we're together? Sally couldn't speak. She had no idea I knew. I dialed her number using a burner phone I bought months ago. Her phone rang. She saw that it was the guy she was cheating with. She dropped her phone in shock. But, uh, Lance, uh, I met him. I spent a lot of time with him. Uh, how did you... I was Lance, Sally. I made him up. I knew you were using me, and I had to find out for myself. The guy you'd been going on dates with is an actor I hired. His real name is Ken, and he's not into girls, so... Sally began to cry. But the car, my dream car, this date, why would you do this? Car's not for you, sweetie. It's for me and my new girlfriend. And as I said that, 
The car door opened and out stepped Ruby, looking ten times more beautiful than ever, and sporting a huge diamond ring on her finger. By the way, the stuff you bought for today? I reported it as card fraud. Expect a call from the stores you got those from real soon. Pretty sure they'll want you to pay for all those. And, uh, you're gonna have to find a ride back home. Try the bus. At that, Ruby and I drove into the sunset, leaving Sally there, crying her eyes out. I'm a guy. Straight guy. But, God bless me with a face as lovely as a girl and a wonderful friend. <laughs> yes, my life was thrown into chaos in an instant. And this is my story. I'm 17 years old, and my name is Eric. As I previously stated, I had a BFF named Dex. He's gay and proud to be part of the LGBTQIA community. And I admire and respect Dex as well as everything he believes in. At school, Dex is a member of the LGBTQIA club. They always want to express themselves and get along, but are always looked down on by everyone. They are not allowed to attend or be welcomed at many events. Dex has always wanted his club to be more influential at school, and I know it's going to be a difficult journey. So I support him with all I have. Dex brought his makeup to my house during a boring summer vacation and said, Bro, can I do makeup for you? You'll be even hotter than the hot girls. For Christ's sake. I'd never imagined myself wearing makeup, but Dex was begging me to do it. So I gave in. And it might actually be fun, lol. TBH, many people used to tell me that I looked like a girl because of my white skin, bright eyes, and red lips. When I saw myself in the mirror, I was astounded by Dex's talent. I felt like a completely different person. Honestly, I was as attractive as the other hot girls. Dex and I laughed so much at my new appearance. We also borrowed my sister's gown, put on a wig, and took photos. And Dex shared those photos on social media, and they received a lot of likes and comments. They said the girl in the photos was beautiful. Dex and I were excited at my sudden fame. We decided to set up a TikTok account and posted videos of me after each makeup. From there, a girl named Cabela was born. Nobody knew that it was a work of Eric's and mine. So, we became obsessed with makeup, TikTok, and laughing at the comments for the entire summer. Cabela quickly rose to prominence as a TikToker. We even made some money from advertising a few products on our channel. Soon, the school year began, and when we returned to class, we discovered how popular Cabela had become. Everywhere we went, we saw people watching videos of Cabela. That made me and Dex even more excited. Returning to Dex, taking that beautiful opportunity, he wanted me to continue acting as Cabela and join the LGBTQIA club at school. Dex insisted. With Cabela's online popularity, the club will gain more reputation. I'll be elected president, and the LGBTQIA club will be represented by everyone. We'll be allowed to participate in more school events. Please, help me this time, Eric. Please. I always sympathize and understand Dex's wishes. So, I decided to accept his request. But, I made a condition that I would only appear in the group videos or livestream talk shows. Just as Dex said, the group was ecstatic when I joined under the name of Cabela and became the group's visual. Dex introduced himself as Cabela's manager, which gained him more credibility. We agreed to keep Cabela's true identity a secret, to protect Dex's reputation and avoid making the group a laughingstock at school. Everything was fine until a new student, Amy, was assigned to my class. I was immediately smitten by her smile, and wanted to learn more about her. 
We sat close together, so it was easy for me to strike up a conversation with Amy. We started having lunch together because she was pleasant and cheerful. My best friend group now consisted of three people. Myself, Dex, and Amy. I began to feel rushed living as two people simultaneously. I was a straight guy hanging out with Amy in the morning. When the night arrived, I'd be Cabela doing makeup with Dex, making TikTok videos to keep our popularity alive, and live streaming as the LGBTQIA group's visuals. I couldn't tell Amy I was Cabela because of my promise I made with Dex. Nobody wanted their crush to see them acting girly, right? Not long after that, Amy and I started dating. There was a rumour that Cabela was me that was leaked at the school's forum one day. That drew a lot of attention. They wanted to take photos with me outside the classroom. I was Cabela, according to a forum post, which includes pictures of me before and after applying makeup. Everyone was interested, but that freaked the sheep out of me, and I hurriedly went looking for Dex. But, to my surprise, he approached me and smiled. I'm the one who made this public. As I thought, finding out that the famous Cabela is a student at our school brought the LGBTQIA group more respect. They all go crazy. <laughs> yes, everyone seemed pleased, but Amy and I were not. With a surprised expression on her face, she looked at me. I didn't know what to say to Amy because she thought I was playing with her heart. I couldn't tell her I wasn't gay because it would embarrass Dex who lied about everything on the school's forum. And of course, I couldn't say I was gay because I would lose Amy. OMG. I thought I was going insane. I turned to Dex and was furious at his action. Look, Dex, I can help you act as Cabela, but I want her and I to be two different people. I too want Amy's love, just like the other guys. You get me? Dex gave me a pitying look and said, I just want everyone to know that I have a famous best friend. And isn't revealing this help people fawning over you? Regardless of how Dex said, I insisted on refusing. I don't give a damn, dude. Amy dumped me because of these stupid things. I'll tell her everything. I no longer desired to be famous. And then I walked away, leaving Dex standing there in agony. That afternoon, I asked Amy to go to the school's backyard to explain everything. While I was waiting for her, suddenly Dex came up to me and apologized. When Amy arrived, Dex turned to me and kissed and hugged me tightly. Everything was blown apart by the kiss. When Amy saw that, she sobbed and ran away. Everything happened so fast. I couldn't even call Amy back. I pushed Dex away and punched him in a fit of anger. What exactly are you up to? Amy just left. You selfish piece of crap. You're willing to ruin my happiness to gain fame. Dex stood there, a sad expression on his face. I'm into you, man. And you're right. I'm selfish. I couldn't stand seeing you and Amy dating. Dex then turned around and left. What he said surprised me, and my heart hurt because I hit my best friend for the first time. Amy tried to stay away from me after that. She didn't respond to my text or allow me to explain myself. Dex and I also didn't see each other. I was still furious with Dex. The relationship between the three of us was broken. For a long time after that, I lived in boredom because I lost my best friend and girlfriend at the same time. I announced my withdrawal from the LGBTQIA club and quietly deleted my TikTok account and all images of Cabela. Enough is enough. Amy came to my house one day and said, Eric, come to Dex's house with me. He and his family's leaving today to start a new life in another country. That news astounds me greatly. We hurried over to his location and Amy told me everything on the way. Dex showed up and told me all about how he wanted to be president of the LGBTQIA club, which compelled you to become Cabela. 
He also firmly assured me that you were straight. Dex's family was about to leave when we arrived. I quickly approached him and apologized. Dex smiled and asked, Hey dude, one hug before I go? We hugged for a few moments in the late afternoon sun before saying our goodbyes. Dex gave me a notebook before leaving, and he didn't forget to wish me and Amy happiness. That night, I opened his notebook. It turned out to be Dex's diary about his happy days with me, about his feelings, and many pictures of us. Dex also devoted a whole page to me. Dear Eric, I realized that this friendship was worth more than becoming the president of a club or any other fancy thing. They only respect me if I have you, but you'll have my back even if I have nothing. When I move to a new country, I'll join a true and healthy LGBTQIA group where everyone is treated equally and respectfully. I like you a lot, dude. Sorry for being an ass and ruining your relationship with Amy. I apologized to her and told her everything except my feelings about you. It's a secret. Be happy, my best man. Every misunderstanding between Amy and me was cleared up. We reconnected and were as happy as before. However, despite everything, I still felt a bit guilty and missed Dex terribly. We continued to keep in touch with one another. He told me that he had a boyfriend and started a new wonderful life not long after that. After this story, I just hope we will all learn to cherish our best friend while we can. One more important thing. Whoever you are, regardless of your gender and sexuality, you all have the right to be loved and heard. If you enjoy this story, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel. You can also click the bell to be notified of more great stories. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.